Hello everyone, this is Andre, the co-founder of Twins Tours and Travel in Jerusalem in Israel, born into a Christian Maronite family, and I'm a licensed tour guide and an ordained minister of the gospel. I have been leading numerous groups throughout the Holy Land for almost 20 years. Also, I'm an author of several books, and you can find them in Amazon. And one of the first books I wrote called One Friday in Jerusalem speaks about my life story. So join me for a journey of 10 days to understand the heart and the mind of Jesus and to understand the Bible in a deeper way with more details through the Middle Eastern perspective. Please share this podcast with your friends and families and churches and connect with me if you have any questions. Welcome back to day number seven of the tour. We are checking out from the Sea of Galilee and we are leaving up to Jerusalem for three nights. Today's schedule will drive first to Tel Megiddo, Har Megiddon, the end days valley and we're going to learn about it today and what does it mean Har Megiddon in the Eastern mindset and then we're going to continue all the way up to Mount Carmel learn about Prophet Elijah and then after that we're going to visit Caesarea Martima, Caesarea by the sea and learn about Herod the Great and the Gentile Pentecost light to the nations and then after that to Jaffa speak about uh, Simon Peter and Prophet Jonah and relate things together in scripture and then up to Jerusalem all the group had just finished breakfast and all the group pointed their luggage and seen their luggage going into the bus luggage compartment and by the way, they already get used to check in and check out, and they have done it efficiently. I will hold the microphone and do the last check. It's my job to remind the group if they have all their like luggage and all their passports on them, or their laptops, or iPhones, iPads, iWatch, their chargers, their sunglasses, most of the time there is one or two that had forgotten something and they got to go back to bring it which is very normal and happens all the time this is why i'm here to remind the group about their stuff all the group is excited because we will end our day in jerusalem we're staying three days touring this city so they get so excited about it and all the group members are complete now in the bus and we will start our day and I'll tell them simply look at the lake it is so beautiful because it's very hard to leave the Sea of Galilee I will do a metaphor to explain about the lake and how much I appreciate this lake because I'm in love with this lake she is like a lady princess like a beautiful queen full of shining glory i will be like schmoozing with her before we leave the area because she is so special and it's very early in the morning when we are leaving the lake and when you first look over the lake in the morning you will see the reflection of the sun on the water and it will be like shining stars and it's like golden color 
and the water is crystal clear with shining beams of glory remember i uh, the theme of the day light to the nations and about the glory of god because of the reflection of the sun on the water make this shining beams like stars and because the sea of galilee is just waking up and opening her bluish eyes she is like so majestic the reflection of the sunshine over the water and the calmness of the lake waking up in the morning with these bright colors the eyes of the princess lady are so blue like the color of the lake this lady is so calm in the morning moving around calmly just waking up with gentle waves of the sea moving slowly and gently trying to tell us that it's morning time and the lake is just waking up i'm in love with the blue color of the eyes of this lake by the way she keeps changing the colors of her eyes sometimes you see the lake from light blue in the morning then the color changes to dark blue in the afternoon and sometimes we can see the light green in her eyes and by the end of the day it gets dark green color trust me i saw the sea of galilee in all these different colors depends on the day and the season i'm so in love with this beautiful blurry eyes looking at us in the early hours of the day this lake the lady is so so deep that from the moment she wakes up all the world starts to watch her and observe her movements especially look at the mountains surrounding the lake as if they are ready to see how the water of the lake will start acting today they watch every movement or shaking of the water even they hear the sounds of the water that she will make waking up every morning carrying the attention of the surrounding mountains all around this lady this lake as if she's yawning upon waking up and stretching her arms just ready for the day the water of the lake is deep like this lady the lake have so much compiled emotions deep emotions inside her and no one can read her emotions until they sail on her until they experience her her gentleness and by standing on the waves and touching her surface and feeling the water and feeling the emotions of this lady the lake can be unpredictable at different times and seasons you can never read this lady because suddenly storms take place she changes her mind so quick for no reason and for no specific warning time all of a sudden she is outrageous and might be very very dangerous and she can get a very bad mood this lake is so moody like a lady you can never understand her out of the bloom storms takes place and suddenly everything calms down so quick this is a mystery to me i will never understand 
the Sea of Galilee. That was only a metaphor for you to understand the value and the importance of the Sea of Galilee, of the lake. Because from here, this water brings life to all over Israel. And this is the only single body of water, fresh water in the Middle East. And no wonder why this location and this is where Jesus chose to start his healing ministry around the Sea of Galilee because water brings life and Jesus is the living water. He is life and water from here go all the way even to the south to the Negev bringing life to Israel. I will ask from the group to prepare their cameras and take the final pictures for the Sea of Galilee because they will not see her again but I will be back and I will see her back again anyway she is so beautiful this lake the people who were on this tour on the Sea of Galilee will understand the value of the lake when they visit her and they want to come again and again and again now we are driving through the Jezreel Valley and this valley is so much rich in history and Bible stories and a lot of geography. The Jezreel Valley literally means in Hebrew Jezreel. Jez means sowing, so S-O-W. N means God. Literally Jezreel Valley in Hebrew means God will sow. This is a hint of its fertility. The Jezreel Valley is the breadbasket of Israel. Look around you, there's so much agriculture here. Look at the wheat, look at the cotton, a lot of sunflowers, and even a lot of ponds for raising fish. So among the many attractions that make the Jezreel Valley one of the Israel's most inviting destinations, is its historical and biblical treasures which i'm gonna share with you look to the north from the windows of the bus where i'm pointing this is the nazareth ridge and you see the mountains of nazareth which we visited already and remember the saying nothing good come out of nazareth because imagine these mountains in the first century we are in the center of the jezreel valley this is where the Via Maris come. This is where all the caravans of the Moabites, the Canaanites, Midianites, all the world will pass from here. But Nazareth is in a ridge and it's a small village and hidden and you can't see it. Even people passing from here will not recognize this small town from the first century. So it's far away, it's rebuked from the community and not in the main road. So nothing good come out of Nazareth. And look to the right of the Nazareth mountains, you see another mountain, Mount Tabor. Also known in the scripture for Deborah and Barak. And remember Deborah the prophet, prophetess and Barak, he was coward. He did not want to fight, but Deborah told him, go and bring the 12 tribes together and we're going to fight the Canaanites and we're going to go and find them down in the valley. Now, this does not make sense to Barak. Why 
he have to go and fight down the valley because you have a position on the mountain a strategic location that uh, the enemy is coming up to you and you are stronger on a mountain but God's work differently God talked to Deborah the prophetess and told her let the army come down and fight the Canaanites down in the valley and the Canaanites have chariots and the amount of chariots and Canaanites and the warriors were like 3,000 but the Israelites like were 300 so how come upside down kingdom and God had sent the rain so all the chariots were stuck in the mud and the Israelites with the leadership of Barak was able to kill Sisera and they won over the Canaanites unexpected this is God's words upside down kingdom sometimes God asks us to do something it's different it's because his spirit is different we have to listen to him and we have only to obey it's great that Barak obeyed Deborah that received from the Lord what to do and they won the battle so this place took place this battle took place at the foot of Mount Tabor where we see from here and we see also from the window of the bus to the right side Mount Gilboa and what happened at Mount Gilboa King Saul died with his three sons he committed suicide on these slopes when first seeing the Philistines and also three of his sons died one of them was Jonathan uh, David's friends and Melchi Yeshua and Abinadav but anyway David cursed the mountain and look what he said in 2nd Samuel 1 21 O mountains of Gilboa may you have neither dew nor rain nor fields that yield offerings because Jonathan was the best friend of David and after King Saul felt in the forces and committed suicide on the slopes of this mountain King David became the king of Israel so all of this happened in this area and the Jezreel Valley also is the scene of a victory by the Israelites led by Gideon against the Midianites remember the children of the East in Judges chapter 6 verse 3 and then uh, Gideon was also a coward he was from the weakest tribe the tribe of Manasseh and remember that he had more than 10,000 men and God told him only the men who go down to the spring Harod spring or Gideon spring which is located at the foot of Mount Gilboa and the ones who will kneel down and drink from the water are not able to be part of the army but the ones who stand up and lick the water by standing up they will be joining the battle and there were only 300 of them and if you understand at that time the swords were really long so if you take your sword on a side you will kneel down and drink water and you're not alert but if you go and drink water and keep the sword on you and by standing up and taking the water this means you are alert for war and you're ready for war and you are a smart warrior so in the end there were only 300 
that kept their sword on them and they were alert and this is what God chose and you know Gideon received the vision and at night he took these 300 men and went to the hill of Moray the hill of the teacher it's called and it's mentioned in the scripture where the Midianites camp and he attacked the Midianites and the Midianites ran away and he won the war because he obeyed so it's not about power it's not about how many people you have or number of people go to churches it's about the people who obey God so we learn to obey upside down kingdom obedience lead us to victory also we have more biblical stories in second Kings chapter 9 verses 1 to 9 Jehu the king of Israel kills King Jehoram he confronts Jezebel in the Jezreel and urges her like and you remember the throwing her out of the window and she died and that was a prophecy remember prophet Elijah at Mount Carmel where we're gonna head today just had a prophecy that the bones of uh, King Ahab and Jezebel will be crushed in the Jezreel Valley and because there were so much corrupt kings and the prophecy came true and the dogs eaten the bones of these two kings King Ahab and his wife that was thrown out of the window so this is called Tel Jezreel and it's not far from us in the mountains of Samaria to the left side and if you continue looking to the left side you're gonna see part of Mount Carmel and the story of the victory of the prophets of Israel over like Baal or Baal what you call and we know that prophet Elijah stood against the real prophet stood against all these different gods the gods of Baal and Asherah which we're going to talk more about it in details when we arrive there later today and you know when he made the altar and from fire came from heaven and consumed all the sacrifice and he even poured water on the altar and Elijah had the prophets of Baal slaughtered at the river brook the Kishon river which we will see later so these mountains have played a significant role in the history of thousands of years and in the history of the Bible because of this valley. You have to understand this valley is so much important because it's around 145 square miles in size. It's the largest valley in all Israel. And open valleys are important because people travel in ancient time through these valleys and the Jezreel Valley connect with the Jordan Valley and connects with the King's Highway and connects with the Via Maris so anything open valleys is where people travel and when people travel wars take place in these important locations and you can say that the Jezreel Valley is a bridge it links Africa with Asia and Europe and ancient caravans having merchandise and innovations and cultures and armies and civilizations will pass through this valley. 
So location, location, and location. And the heart of this valley is a site called Tel Megiddo, or in Hebrew, Har Megiddo. Har means mountain, and Megiddo means the fortress. We are arriving in the bus to Tel Megiddo, and all the group is standing inside the museum adjacent to a map of the Middle East. I will point on the map the land of Canaan, which is the land of ancient Palestine and ancient Israel. And the center of the map, there is a site called Megiddo. And as if it's in the center of the Middle East, location, location, location. And I would point for the people where is Iraq, the Ur of the Chaldeans in the east. And I will show them that there is a battle between the desert in the east and the water in the west. And the land of Canaan stands in between. It's like a buffer zone. And there are so many empires that are coming strong in history in the east, such as Babylon, 586 BCE. They become stronger, so they become bigger and bigger and bigger, and they come to invade the Holy Land because they want to reach to the riches of the West, like Egypt and all, all the West. And then another empire is coming strong in the East, like Assyria, 731 BCE. They have to expand and expand and expand, reach the land of Canaan. It's like a passage. It's like a pass through the Jezreel Valley and conquer Megiddo. And when after they conquer Megiddo, this is the key entrance to the Middle East, and then they have to go to the West to conquer Egypt. And the same thing, any empire throughout history that is coming strong in the West, like Alexander the Great, the Greeks, minus 333 BCE, they expand and expand and expand, and they conquer the land of Canaan in order to reach all the way to East, to Iraq. And the same thing when the Romans, first century Roman Empire, course they have to conquer us and even the crusaders that came strong in the 11th century they have to come to the east and they pass through the land of Canaan everyone loves us so everyone have to pass through this land because it's a buffer zone between the east and the west and the north and the south it's in the middle east it's in the middle of the riches of the ancient world and this is why we have a site called Megiddo, the mountain fortress to stand against all these enemies. Imagine there's 27 layers in one location. The one who conquer Megiddo will be able to control the Jezreel Valley. And when you control the Jezreel Valley, you'll be able to take taxes from the Via Maris, from the road of the sea. So it's the center of the ancient world. Like today, DC, the White House, is the center power of the modern world today. That was Megiddo, Har Megiddo, the power of the ancient world. And we have so many kings conquered Megiddo, such as King Solomon. God called Abraham, and he told him in Genesis 13, 17, Go, walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. And Abraham obeyed God. And Abraham comes from the 
Ur of the Chaldeans and his father Terah was an idol maker and all of them left all the tribe left Ur of the Chaldeans they went through the fertile crescent on the path of the two rivers Tigris and Euphrates and because that was the water source because they had with them flock and they have goats and they need a lot of water and through there they arrived to Haran Haran is in uh, Turkey today it was a big city and from Haran they came to the land of Canaan and Abraham settled in Beersheba also we have the Pharaoh Titmos III he came and attacked Megiddo in uh, 1495 BCE even we have documentations of this journey and the ancient Egyptians give us even the date of the battle the 21st day of the first month of the third season of the year 23rd of the reign of Titmos III the Egyptians conquered the Canaanite forces and made a siege over Megiddo and Titmos III forced and uh, succeeded in conquering after the siege of seven months. And this is the earliest war documented ever in history in this area. We have so many wars and battles took place in one location. And the last war we heard about, the major ones I'm talking about, is 1917, General Alembe with the British with the Turks and 1917 the British captured this area the bottom line I want to tell you that there are so many wars that took place in this location we have too many wars and I can count for you at least like nine or ten wars that took place in this generation like I can't count for you the war of independence 1948 that took place here in the Jezreel Valley. And then we have 1956, the also war with Egypt. Then we have 1967, the wars in Jerusalem. And we have 1969 and 71, the war of attrition also. Then we have the Yom Kippur War in 1973. Then we had the first war with Lebanon, 1982. And then 1987 we had the first intifada and then year 2000 we had the second intifada and then the 2006 the second war in Lebanon so I counted like nine or ten wars that took place even I didn't count the minor ones like the ones with Gaza Strip and it's not considered a war but anyway this area of the part of the world had so much wars in the face of history I want you to pay attention at the bottom of the map you see an inscription this is the seal of Megiddo and you see a roaring lion and this seal was discovered in 1904 during the earliest excavations of Megiddo by a German archaeologist his name is Gottlieb Schumacher and this seal belonged to a royal minister in the 8th century BC and the symbol of the kingdom of Judah is the roaring lion you can see him in the center of the seal with a beautiful curved tail 
and the inscription reads in Hebrew Shema on the top the servant of Jeroboam on the bottom Shema servant of Jeroboam and the inscription actually proclaims the name and the rank of its owner and speaks about one of the ministers of King Jeroboam II who reigned from 787 to 747 BC before Christ. The word servant in Hebrew means obed and it's mentioned in the Bible as one of high dignity in the government. By the way, many seals has been discovered with similar inscriptions. And the seal is so much important because it's made of clay and it's the seal of the king. We learn about King Jeroboam from 2 Kings chapter 14 verses 23 and 25. Let me read it for you and connect the Bible with archaeology. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, King of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria and reigned 41 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who had made Israel sin. So he was a corrupt king. And by the way, Jeroboam means the people that grow out in numbers, numerous. And that was, the seal is talking about Jeroboam II, the son of Joash, king of Israel. And the Lord had pity on Israel in the north, according to the prophet Jonah, remember, and allowed the Assyrians to come all the way and to destroy the kingdom of Israel. And King Jeroboam II, he was so much powerful, he was so much wealthy, despite the prophet Amos protested against him and against the corruption of the king he did not listen this is what happens when kings be have so much money and so much wealth they start to believe in themselves and after believing in themselves they start worshiping the real god of israel and as a result god will send them a prophet and for them to repent and if they do not listen they will face wars and they will fall into sin and they will be destroyed all the group is standing around the model inside the museum and i like the group to make a circle around the model because i will show them what we're gonna do today in the fortress according to the model what they see because megiddo is so much complicated and i want to make it so simple we see a city gate and we're going to pass through it. And after the city gate, we're going to pass through another partially destroyed second city gate from the time of King Solomon. And then after that, we're going to go to the top to see the lookout and we're going to pass by some stables. And if you look to the center of the model, you see the silo, which we're going to visit to where the granary where they put all the grains and I will point for the group the water system that is built by King Ahab in the 8th century BCE and we will exit from the tunnel 
all the way through the water system to the pass to that will pick us up from the other side so i tell the group if the plan is clear for them all the group is standing at the city gate of megiddo and the city gate were places of central activity and important in biblical times and this is where all the business transactions takes place this is where all the public announcements take place this is where the judges sit, the judgment seat this is where the kings sit in the city gate and by the way the first reference of a mention of a city gate is found in genesis 19 1. it was at the gate of sodom and abraham's nephew lot greeted the angelic visitors to the city Lot was there with other leading men of the city, either discussing the day's issues or engaging in important like business transactions. So the city gate is so much important. And also we know about Moses and of the parents of rebellious son were told to bring him in the city gate where the elders would examine the evidence and pass judgment. So that was in Deuteronomy 21 verses 18 to 21 and that affirms that the city gate was the center of community action and we read about it from the book of Ruth and Boaz and officially claimed the position of like uh, meeting the elders at the city gate of Bethlehem legal matters like related to marriages to Ruth was settled at the city gate anyway it's mentioned so much about the city gate so it was so much important to the culture and justice have to be done at the city gate and also the city gate was a podium for the Israelite prophets and like I want to share with you about prophet Amos who was telling King Jeroboam to repent and stop to be corrupt and as you see from here and you look around you you can see a lot of vineyards and a lot of agriculture so king jeroboam had so much wealth in this area and if you look inside the city gate you're gonna see some dark basalt stones these are huge huge stones originally from palaces you have to understand inside megiddo it was an administrative place so it was palaces it's not a place to live it's a place to run all the Israelite kingdom so it's like very important and so we see all these palaces destroyed and I want to share with you and read for you from Amos chapter 5 verses 10 to 15 because if the king do not want to repent God will send him a prophet and if he does not listen to a prophet destruction will come and this is what exactly the minor prophet Amos is talking about Amos chapter 5 verses 10 to 15 there are those who hate the one who uphold justice in court and detest the one who tells the truth you levise throw tax on the poor and impose tax on their grain. Remember I thought about the granary, huge granary here. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Remember I showed you a huge palace that is destroyed completely. 
Though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. Remember I mentioned about the vineyards in this area? For I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the city gate. You see how much corrupt here. Therefore, verse 13, the prudent keep quiet in such times, for the times are evil. The key verse is 14. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. The Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. Hate evil, love good, and maintain justice in the city gate. So the prophet is telling the king, repent and do justice and stop being corrupt and taking bribes. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnants of Joseph. So we see that the prophet is talking to the king. And the king is not listening. He do not want to repent. Because he don't want to bring justice against corruption. And this is what happens in politics today. There is so much corruption in politics because of power. And imagine Megiddo is the center power of the world. I want to compare also, allow me, also like, it's like DC, the center power of the modern world today. And we want justice and look what is happening with the black community. And I'm glad that there is so much transformation taking place and so much new rules happening and really justice is and will take place in this area of the world. And let me explain for you in the Eastern mindset, in the ancient Semitic way of thinking, what do the word Har Megiddo means? Because it's mentioned more than 18 times in the Old Testament and this is the center of the ancient world and I want to explain for you about Har Megiddo and there are so much controversy and so much eschatology but I want to get you to the deeper understanding of the Middle Eastern mindset okay there's nothing called Armageddon this is a translation from the Hebrew word Har Megiddo Har is a mountain in Hebrew H-A-A-R Har is a mountain Megiddo in ancient Semitic language come from the Hittite even and the Aramaic even before the Aramaic the Hittite Majd Majiddo Majd Majd literally means the glory so Har Megiddon literally means the mountain holding the glory, the mountain fortress. What glory? The power. When you are in a position that you are the center of the ancient world and when you conquer this fortress, you have the power, you have the glory of the ancient world. So you hold the glory and it's from inside, okay? And from inside to the world, you have the power in your hand and you choose 
how to deal with that either you deal with it in a good way or in an evil way but you hold the power you hold the glory within yourself it's completely your choice what to do with this glory look at the Jezreel Valley it's full of abundance and fertility and the glory of all that goodness of God so Har Megiddon means the mountain holding the great glory of life and this is where the battlefield between the powers of darkness and the power of light will take place and who will have the glory who is in control and in power and look what is happening today in the Middle East Israel is here Israel have the glory today because they control this part of the world and in order to have the glory you need to be alert you need to be like alert for battles and you need to be alert on what's happening around you if you want to have the glory you have to understand the times and you have to understand your life and the circumstances you pass through and Israel is alert they know what is happening around them in the world and let me get you like a little bit spiritual you need to be ready and prepare yourself spiritually you need to be clean inside and you need to be healthy to face the battles between the bad and the evil because the glory is also inside you it's born in yourself we are part of the army of God we are part of this glory so we choose the good side over the evil side so prepare yourself and be alert because when the end days battle come you have to be ready and throughout history the army who was alert like when King Solomon conquered this fortress his army was alert and they were ready for battles and when you're alert you can conquer your enemies so we are holding the glory of God in our lives so that what does mean Magiddon holding the glory it can be very personal it's between the forces of light and the forces of darkness inside us as if something have to be born as if we are waiting for God to come and we can join him in this end days war in this battle and this battle will take place in the Jezreel Valley and if you read carefully the battle will continue to Jerusalem and in Jerusalem the Kidron Valley is where the judgment and the seat of Jesus and the judgment of all the world will take place but we need to have this glory inside us and to be ready and alert so Har Megiddon means the mountain of glory that is 
inside me and you. It's about us to be ready for the battles of life, the daily battles of life. And it applies for today. Now all the group are standing at the silo lookout and we can see a huge circular shape like a cone. It's like dug seven meters into the ground and 11 meters in diameter and able to store 1000 tons of grain. We see also two staircases that leads all the way to the bottom of this structure and you have to understand that this dates all the way to the 8th century during the reign of Jeroboam and remember we talked about the seal of Megiddo and the seal was found inside the granary so probably one of the officials came all the way down to pick up some grains or just he lost it there so we found it later and there are so many seals found in this part of the world and ministers and high officials and some contain personal names of people mentioned in the bible including the kings of israel and judah such as the seal of megiddo now the group is standing by the water system at the bottom of this vertical shaft the workers of megiddo had dug a horizontal tunnel nearly 220 feet long and reach a cave where is the spring location Apparently what happened, one crew began in the cave and another one at the bottom of the shaft and they chiseled the walls and you can even when we go down later see it visible today, the chiselings of the wall indicate that the workers came from either end to meet in the middle. We don't know exactly how they knew the exact direction to dig uh, but they went through a fault line like in archaeology so there's a fault line that they can uh, walk through and they met together and when they finished they had accomplished one of the most engineering wonders of the ancient world and you have to understand that the cave was sealed from the outside and that was securing the water system of Megiddo and what Ahab has done in this project that he brought the water from outside the city to inside the city and he had a brilliant idea because when the enemy come in the ancient times the first thing they will search for water the spring and if they find the spring they're gonna bring a donkey cut its head throw it in the water so the water will be polluted and poisons and no one can drink from the water and the city will surrender in two weeks three weeks maximum because there is no water source but king ahab was so smart that he camouflaged the water source and covered it that the enemy will not find it and he diverted the spring through the tunnel he had built into all the way to a shaft inside the city and that was so brilliant and the city will not surrender because they have a lot of water and every day the woman will descend through the shaft and walk all the way to the tunnel to the spring to bring the water up 
you have to understand that the shaft and the tunnel system of Megiddo is one of the largest and most famous of the great water systems ever found in the biblical times and what we will do now we're going to go through this tunnel be careful there's 183 steps down and then we're going to reach the cave where the spring is and then there is another 80 steps going up so all the group are excited to go down and we are arriving to the cave in the bottom and we see the spring that is connected to the aquifer underground water and we see the 80 steps i talked about that is the original entrance of the cave and that they how the group would be able to see how easily you can camouflage the entrance of the spring and as I mentioned earlier, it's so much important water. Number one important is water in the ancient world. And number two is security. So we have water and we have a site in the center that is so secured by walls. And nothing changed much. We today, water and security is so much important in any country in the world. So... We're going to climb all these 80 steps and go to the bus. The group is so happy and content because finally they understand about what Megiddo means. And we will continue our ride all the way through the Jezreel Valley to Mount Carmel. It's around 30 minutes drive to the top of the mountain. Our next destination is Mount Carmel. I hope you enjoyed this teaching and it's much more clear for you what the word Har Megiddo means. The mountain fortress of the glory of God inside us. I want to announce for you today my third book is finally published and it's in Amazon. And it's called Heading to the Holy Land. How to prepare, plan and pray for a life changing journey. And this book, Heading to the Holy Land, lays it all out for you simply and clearly step by step how to bring and prepare a group to come to israel have all the practical information you need to learn in order to prepare for a group to visit the holy land so if you go to amazon.com and you put in the search heading to the holy land you will find my book in the paperback form and in the ebook and this will be a blessing for twin stores and i want to tell you and encourage you all the proceeds of the books that i wrote i'm still writing will go to twin stores and it will go to minister groups so this will be a blessing to all of us